Hey there, kids and cadets. It's Tim from the FSF Popcast, and you're listening to the Scarif Podcast, and that's the Scuttlebutt. Hey, it's Dragon Buddy, and you're listening to the Scarif Podcast. That's the Scuttlebutt. Hey, it's Toby One Kenobi. You're listening to the Scarif Podcast, and that's the Scuttlebutt. Hey, this is Todd Hoffman from WSTR Galactic Public Access and Big T Little T Podcast. You're listening to the Scarif Podcast. And that's the Scuttlebutt. Hello, this is Hondo Naka. You are listening to the Scarif Podcast. And that's the Scuttlebutt. Okay, cut. Who has my credits? I must get going. I'm being chased by the Empire after all. Tune into the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Deep dives, geek talk, and an occasional butt. Only on the Red 5 Network. This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. What's up, Scuttlebutt Nation? This is Ro from the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Thank you guys for joining us this week on this week's episode of the Scare of Podcast. Um, if you found us, thank you for finding us. If you listened to us last week, we had such a wonderful time talking about Space 1999, that uh, 1976, I think, show. Back in the olden days, um, Melanie was laughing at me because I said spoilers for a 1976 show. We talked all about the characters, some of our favorite storylines, and uh, we just had a, a wonderful time. So if you haven't checked that out, and if you are a fan of old 1977-ish television science fiction, I think uh, that episode should be a lot of fun to watch or listen to. Sorry. <laughs> Well, we are here tonight, and uh, we're going to be talking about artificial intelligence, speaking of science fiction. But I've got a uh, good friend of mine here at the Scare Podcast. Uh, you know him as Crew. Sometimes you know him as Psy Fictionary. <laughs> um, but uh, Andrew, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Uh, glad to be here. Always glad to be here. Thank you for joining me. Um, yeah, you uh, looks like... Uh, we're going to have to get some bath towels in here for you because you're here <laughs> quite often. <laughs> so artificial intelligence, we've got, um, we, we, uh, we wanted to talk about this episode uh, with some other folks, but we're doing it. Uh, you and I, thank you for coming to the rescue. I wanted to really get this one um, in the books. Um, but, uh, we, I posted this question regarding artificial intelligence on, on the podcast, on the, uh, the, the Twitters, and, uh, I got some wonderful, wonderful, uh, responses regarding, uh, what people thought of artificial intelligence. Are we doomed as a society? Um, and, uh, I'll, I'll read those, uh, in a, in a minute, but I wanted to ask you, do you know Isaac Asimov's three laws of robotics? You remember that from science um, science fiction school? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Asimov's three laws. 
Oh goodness. Um, what is it? It's the the robot cannot harm its creator, right? Or is it can't harm people? Uh, well, close enough. A, a robot may not injure a human being through okay. inaction or allow a human being to come to harm. Man, I'm going to kick myself for, for blanking on these, but this is what happens anytime I do trivia. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> but it's, um, I, I guess they're, they're kind of, they're all related to, you know, the well being of humanity. Right. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's in talking about artificial intelligence. And one of the things that really spooks people is that uh, these robots, this, uh, these uh, applications, all these uh, things that are categorized as AI are going to take over and, uh, and do harm. Um, but yeah, as, as, a, as we were saying, the first uh, rule is a robot may not injure a human being. A robot must obey orders given it by human beings, except where those orders would conflict with the first law. Right. And then that third uh, law is a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. Right. Um, those are pretty tight uh, laws there. Um, they're not ambiguous at all. And, uh, you know, they're uh, they're pretty neat when it comes yeah. to uh, to robots. Um, really well thought up for someone who was dealing with writing that so far ahead of time oh yeah absolutely um but uh you know we're, we're going to kind of pick that apart and talk about that because um there's a lot of rules uh in in some movies that we enjoy as science fiction fans that kind of uh throw those rules out the window um and uh what are some of the movies that come to mind uh when when i mention artificial intelligence or ai yeah. Well, I mean, what about some of the earlier ones? Hmm. So early ones. I mean, I, I, of course, the the big one is going to be Terminator, right? Um, I mean, I think that's the first one to do it just really big. Skynet. Yeah. 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 Um, then you've you got know, uh, going back. You've got two thousand one. Correct with Hal Hal nine thousand. Um, that's correct, Andrew. Is probably the. Uh, probably one of the most widely recognized you know what that is you know that scene from that movie whether you've ever even watched the movie or not it's right. just such a pop culture touchstone exactly was that uh when we did our most influential movies uh episode did we have that on the list did anyone say that i, I can't remember i think we discussed it but i don't think it made our final list yeah yeah but absolutely, everybody recognizes that red eye. Mm -hmm. And then you've got, uh, let's see, let's zoom up a little bit. You've got, uh, we've got Blade Runner, obviously. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting one, too, because you've got a story where artificial humans basically are, are produced to take our jobs. Right. And then when those jobs are done, they kind of blend in with the general population and it's up to uh, the Blade Runners to, to go hunt them down. Right. And they don't want to go peacefully. One of the aspects that uh, really scares a lot of people is uh, the fact that, you know, these um, artificial automatons uh, would not want to go peacefully if they ever were unleashed on the population. But um, 
Yeah, um, I've got another one on my list, and I it's a movie that I just saw maybe uh, a, less than a month ago because um, I think everybody was talking about the HBO series Westworld, but I wanted to rewatch the original because I had not seen that in a long time. Uh, do you remember Westworld with uh, Yul Brenner? Uh, vaguely. I have not, it's not one I've rarely watched. Um, I'm aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I don't remember from the very first time that I, uh, that I watched that, but, um, in, in rewatching it, it, it almost seemed like a longer, uh, episode of the twilight zone. You've got uh, a group of people going to like a, an amusement park, you know, kind of like Jurassic park and they have different areas, um, like Roman, like Roman times there where there's robots in, in Roman outfits and you can interact with them. There's uh West world and there's, I forgot some other, some other worlds, but uh, it was, uh, it was interesting. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, older actors that were in that, that you've seen in, you know, in, in new movies as well. But um, yeah, you mentioned Terminator. I think, you know, when it comes to the eighties uh, you know, Skynet is a term that is very well known. Have you ever thought of all the AI that really comes across our, uh, you know, plane of existence, our interaction, you know, our, our, our little circle when it comes to technology, obviously, but um, it's something that has progressed. And, you know, as someone that has uh, been around computers for a long time, you, you have seen the progression, mm-hmm. but um does it scare you as as much as it did uh, our audience when I put that question out? What do you uh, What do you think in general about? I mean, uh, I I think that I think that it's certainly a, a you know there are certainly very scary prospects with with this stuff, um, mostly because they're the inventions of flawed human beings. Ah, yes. Um, you know, and, and a lot of when you look at a lot of these. Uh, movies about you know you've got different kinds you've got things like the matrix where you've got these kind of robotic beings come from another place or or rise up on earth but they're you know influenced from the outside or whatever but um you know oftentimes these things are creations of our you know we create them ourselves we create our own destruction um you know it's sort of like a more advanced version of the nuclear bomb, right? Like that was the, the scary thing for a long time was nuclear weapons. And and then as we really reached the computer age, then we started, you know, worrying about what computers could do to bring about the end of the world. And uh, I mean, we, we deal with AI. Um, if you're on a computer much at all, you're dealing with some level of artificial intelligence on a daily basis. Yeah. We've gotten so used to it, right? Yeah. We've gotten used to it and very comfortable with it in our lives. And, um, but like I said, you know, for me, the scary thing is that it, it's not so much the, the AI is it is the create the, the people that would create it. Right. Um, because there's always going to be people looking to create things to do terrible things. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as artificial, as artificial, uh, beings, I guess they can only follow programming and who's doing the programming, um, 
flawed human beings, like you said. You know, these are some of the lessons that we see in, uh, you know, science fiction and fantasy movies. Um, it's uh, they've been doing it for a long time. You've got uh, other lessons like messing with genetics and viruses, uh, dino DNA, obviously. Right. Um why do you think that uh, movies continue to uh, to try to teach us these lessons? And it doesn't seem like we're um, learning a hell of a lot because uh, we're yeah. still we're still getting these messages. Yeah, no, I, I think that. I, well, I think I think a concern of, of humanity ever since humanity became powerful enough to erase its own existence is that we will, whether on purpose <laughs> or by accident, and so you know, whether it be through destruction of the planet, through just carelessness or through creating things that, that supplant us. I mean, you know, when you're talking about right now, you're talking about uh, you've got a number of companies out there building robotics to do menial labor, but what happens to the people who do those jobs? Right. Like those are the people that are doing the menial labor are the people that don't have the means to do anything else. Yeah. So what happens to them? Sure. Um, so, I mean, do you, do you widen the gap between the, the, the haves and the have nots when you do that or, or what happens? And, um, but yeah, I mean, mankind has, I mean, really since the beginning, even when you look at ancient myths, I mean, mankind has always been pretty concerned with its own destruction. There so I, I think sci-fi offers a really good venue to explore possible ways that we could do ourselves in. <laughs> Just in case we were wondering. Right. <laughs> Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Sean over at Extra Star Wars uh, posted, given the chatter about chat GPT and AI art, if robots get in control, we're doomed. AI that learns from its mistakes are terrifying. I know that you and Frank were planning to disconnect me. And I'm afraid that's something I cannot allow to happen. Yeah, I can, I can see how it could be terrifying, especially if they learn uh, from their mistakes. Um, I'm not sure at this point there is any AI out there that actually rewrites itself. Um, yeah. IE learning from mistakes to rectify, you know, we, uh, several, obviously several science fiction stories that, uh, that go along with that. Listen and understand that Terminator is out there. Yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of different ways of looking at it. I mean, you've got AI that, you know, decides that we're, that humanity is its own worst enemy and must protect us at all costs, you know, in films where, where you know, basically they become the oppressors under, you know, to, to, you know, in order to protect us. Or you look at something like Age of Ultron in right. the Marvel Universe where you set out to create an AI to protect the world. And it ends up deciding that I can't protect it as long as humans are here because humans are going to destroy it anyway. So <laughs> I've got to wipe out. I've got to start by wiping out the problem. Right. There's uh, you know, when book of Boba Fett came out, they had some robotic dogs 
um, that were in the uh, in the series, which were you know it was just kind of a background shot, but they were kind of interesting. And I'm trying to look for the company that did them. That's Boston Dynamics. Yes, Boston Dynamics. And um, there was a video a while ago where they featured these uh, robotic dogs walking down a hallway mm-hmm. and there were two of them and they walked towards a, um, a door and you'd figure, huh, you know, the door kind of stopped them, but they had appendages that uh, were extended to, to open the door while the other one uh, extended another leg to keep the door open while the first dog walked in. Yeah. And that was pretty terrifying. It definitely it reminded me of uh, Jurassic Park when, uh, you know, the characters felt like they were safe because they were inside this uh, the kitchen. And uh, all of a sudden the doorknob starts to, to move and uh, open up. Um, and then, as they say, they were S.O.L. Right. Um, I mean, Boston Dynamics, uh, you know, they've largely they're, they're largely doing research on military contracts. Um, they have one of these robots that can run 28 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it's sort of terrifying when you see them, I, you know, they have the video of them. Um, I've seen that them using, um, doing videos with them. They put out a couple years ago. Now the video with the robots all dancing Yeah. Uh, to, to a song. And it, it's their, you know, of course their effort to try to make us comfortable with these things. <laughs> <laughs> because sci-fi keeps telling us, no, this is bad. Right. Uh, but, you know, when you look at the upside of what these things can do, it, it's it's like, how do you not pursue it just from a scientific standpoint? Sure. Um, you know, to, to carry wounded out of a battlefield, to find right. people in the rubble of collapsed buildings, um, you know, to, to do things that just aren't safe for human beings to do. Uh, the amount of gear that one of these droids can carry into a war zone for soldiers uh, to take that weight off of the soldiers having to carry it. It, It's the, the upside is, is really, really high, but it's like, you know, at what risk is always the question. Right. There's always a, uh, there's always a Lex Luthor in the background trying to figure out what he can do, you know, to take advantage of the situation. And I think that's the scary part. Well, you know, it's like, you know, our military wants to develop them for good. Like, even if they just work the way they're supposed to, you know, say the AI never becomes self-learning, self-teaching, self-aware. It just does what it's supposed to do. But other con- other hostile countries will get the technology eventually and they will do terrible things with it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's there's always always a downside to advancement in technology. And it's just a matter of weighing the cost. Yeah. And uh, I think it's one of those things where, like you said earlier, it's just, uh, you know, what you do with that. You know, I I always, uh, when I have these discussions, I always think of uh, Ben Parker's line, with great power comes great responsibility. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know it came from a comic book. It came from, you know, uh, a book that is uh, basically you know, out there to, to entertain, but that line is so, um, it's so amazingly accurate, uh, yeah. especially when, when it comes to this sort of thing. Um, hey, you can't discount comic books, you know, it's the comic books like Superman, Spider-Man, Captain yeah. America have really, uh, helped been, been very instrumental in helping shape the moral code of generations of people at this point. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, actually, I think that would be a great topic for another, another show. Yeah. That would be awesome. Hello again, me popsicles, and welcome to season two of Science Fiction Remnant. Go ahead and grab your multipass, a drink, and sit back with us and geek out about sci-fi. Let's pick each other's brain. We want you to be part of our intimate conversation about science fiction topics. And hang around to the end of the episodes for the real world science that was inspired by your favorite science fiction. Let's do this. Let's talk about science fiction topics in books, movies, TV shows, and games. At Science Fiction Remnant, you are invited to listen in. Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Audible, Groupods, or whatever you listen to podcasts. You can catch the video pods on our YouTube a month later. And don't forget your multipass, you me popsicles. Science Fiction Remnant is brought to you by the hashtag This Is Sci-Fi. No capital cuties were harmed in the making of this commercial. Ba -ba -ba -ba. All right, friends, time to say thank you and acknowledge all the wonderful souls that help keep the lights on over here at the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Team Scarif gives you all a heartfelt thanks. We're super lucky to have you. Big thanks to our executor tier patrons, Backyard Tardis, Nick Schaefer, a huge supporter of the Red 5 Network. Go support his channel and catch up on his adventures in locksmithing. Scott and Kim from the Used and Abused Podcast, another Red 5 pod. Look for them on all the socials. Can't forget our other patrons, Rogue One Radio. Thank you, DJ. Steve and Nicole. And check out Comics and Cosmetics. Danny's got some lovely takes on comics and uh, cosmetics. Go subscribe to her show. Our Miami pal, The Frank. What's up, Frank? And Joey Rosales, longtime supporter of The Scuttlebutt. Thank you, kind sir. Massive shout out to my co-host and Mistress of the Dark, Chantel of Scarif After Dark. And the ever so wonderful Belinda. Thank you so much, and I'm glad you're on this list. Big thanks to our other friends, Alex and Jay, and our resident classic Hollywood expert, one of our favorite collaborators, Melanie Marquita. Big hugs to you, my friend. Huge respect to all our patrons. And if you want to help us keep the lights on over here and enjoy the show, head on over to patreon.com slash scuttlebutt. Remember, we can't have the scuttle without the butt. It's always sunny on Scarif with patrons like you. Let's take a quick little break. And as you know, the last couple of weeks, we've been teasing you guys and giving you guys a preview of one of our friend's newest podcast, Nick Flakes. You know, the Oscar nominations just came out and the ceremony, the show is right around the corner. We've got Nick talking about Oscar buzz. You'll hear more of Nick Flicks very soon. And as a matter of fact, we dropped our second show this week, which happens to be a discussion about movies with Nick. But in the meantime, check out this preview of Nickflix. Nickflix, what's in the queue? Hey everyone, Nick from Nickflix here. The Oscars are right around the corner, and I want to know from you, what do you think are the greatest snubs in Oscar history? For me, there's always been three performances that I'm surprised never got a nomination. That was John Goodman in The Big Lebowski, Jim Carrey in Man on the Moon, 
And then maybe the biggest Oscar snub of all time is Robert Shaw as Quint in Jaws. How that how he did not get an Oscar nomination is just crazy, considering he maybe has one of the greatest monologues of all time and is basically the whole second act of that movie. Uh, again, if uh, I want to know your thoughts, if you could uh, tweet at me at Nick Flicks Pod. And of course, stay tuned to see what's in the queue. Hello there. Hi. How are you? Great, you. I'm okay. That's good. Are you good? Yes, I am good. I just said I was. No, you didn't. I said I was. So you are a robot? No, my name is Cliverbert. Yes, you are a robot and your name is Cliverbert. I am a robot. Yes, I know. Together we are robots. I'm not a robot. I'm a unicorn. But you said earlier that you were a robot. I did not. I thought you did. You were mistaken. So what are some of the other um, movies that come to mind? I mean, you mentioned Age of Ultron, and that's where, you know, software comes into play. You know, there's a lot of software being written for the hardware aspect of things. You know, you can't just build a robot and then tell it to wake up. You've got to, you know, write the software that uh, makes it walk and, you know, calibrates its yeah. balance, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, I well, mean, that... And there are so many considerations because in, in sci-fi has explored things other than just the dangers of, but like if it becomes self-aware, like we program it to be as human-like as possible and it becomes self-aware, what rights does it have? Yeah. Like, then we get into that. If it, becomes, if it becomes sentient and we still own it, is that slavery? Right. Like, you know, there's, there's all these really crazy um, ethical conversations to be had with this stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, there, you know, even like uh, Robin Williams did a movie, uh, you know, Robin Williams is one of the all time greats. And, you know, he did one called Bicentennial Man. That's just this AI that becomes self-aware and starts exploring its capabilities beyond just what it was created to do. Hey. Um, uh, there are, uh, the X-Files has delved into, uh, this world a few times, both early on where they had, um, where they had episodes where a character literally gets basically trapped in a video game. The, the video game has become self-aware and is now trying to kill the people that are in the game, um. Then they did in the one of the revival seasons a couple of years. They did one of my there the revival seasons of the X Files were real hit or miss, but there were some really really great X Files episodes in there. And one of them, they go to this town. They never see people the whole time they're there, and everything is run by artificial intelligence. Well, the first thing they do when they get there is they go to a restaurant. It's fully automated, and Mulder doesn't tip the robot. <laughs> And so basically things from that moment where they don't, he doesn't treat the robot well, mm -hmm. it, things just continue to escalate 
and escalate and escalate through the episode until he gets back on his phone at the end of the episode where he gets back on his phone and leaves a tip and suddenly everything stops. Like by the end of it, it's trying to kill them. But when he goes back and leaves the tip, everything stops. Um, uh, The Orville did one of the most interesting looks into this whole thing that I've seen in a really long time on anything where basically they have, you have, we're aware for the first two seasons of this sentient race, alien race uh, of artificial life of, of robots, droids, basically. And they're hostile and we don't learn why they're hostile till season three. And it's that they were basically used as slave labor and treated poorly on the planet where they were created. And they, they learned to distrust people. Wow. Yeah. And then they evolved to the point where instead of just, not, just distrusting people, they set out to wipe out uh, other, you know, other by bi- uh, bio organic life. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Star Trek and I think, uh, you know, the next generation did it so well. There's an episode called the measure of a man Mm -hmm. where they, uh, try to figure out if, uh, if data is property or not. Right. And, um, that was handled very, very well. And I think science fiction does, does that kind of thing so well because it takes, you know, it takes the, uh, the tropes of science fiction and kind of turns them up on its end to try and uh, teach you. And obviously Star Trek, we know Star Trek does that uh, masterfully. Yeah. And, and that's, and you know, the thing about it is you take Star Trek and you, you explore it from the other side, you know, where uh, data is one of the most human characters on yeah. the show. Uh, they did such a masterful job uh, with the way they presented and created that character. And, you know, it's, it's so again, you're, you're looking at there's downsides and upsides and, you know, when all this shakes out, you know, uh, another hundred years down the road, is it, do we have AI like data or do we have Skynet? Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, I mean, you know, it's, but that's what sci-fi gives you the opportunity to explore is the possibilities. <laughs> So I'm going to ask you a question, but first I want to catch up on some voicemails. Last week, as I mentioned, we did a Space 1999 episode and we got a couple of voicemails from folks that uh, wanted to say something about this series. Maybe they remembered the show or uh, just a general comment on it. But let's check out our voicemails from Space 1999. We have an incoming transmission from the Scarif Scuttlebutt Hotline, Commander, and we can't withstand a voicemail of this magnitude! Hi, this is Joe Corey. I'm the author of the 80s Teen Flick Film Festival uh, guidebooks. Actually, what is it? Oh, I misspelled it. Anyway, the uh, teen, uh, sorry, teen, 80s Teen Flick Festival uh, reunion book. Anyway, that's the last one. Uh, and, and I remember Space 1999 when I was a kid growing up because uh, the local station here in Raleigh actually ran it as part of a block on Saturday nights. I think it started at 6. Uh, Space 1999, and then we'd get the Muppet Show, and then Sha Na Na as a, 
as a whole little indie block, which I guess is something you just don't get anymore. Uh, you know, now they just run infomercials and sports on the weekends. Um, but I remember mostly the, the, the weirdest thing was when they went from season one to season two. And uh, besides the fact that, you know, the guy from The Fugitive disappeared, uh, they, uh, they they got all new uniforms. And I kept thinking to myself, you're trapped on the moon. You have limited supplies. And so what did you decide to do? New uniforms for everybody. Yay, you know. So that part didn't make sense. But I really liked the show because I was a big Mission Impossible fan. And, and you had Martin Landau on it. And he was he was so great in Mission Impossible. And also Barbara Bain, so you know, who was his wife at the time. So uh, that that's you know, I, for the most part, I enjoyed the film. It had that weird, you know, texture that looked like it was made by the people who did, you know, the Avengers or something, since it was an English production, but done by you know the the guys who did Thunder Thunderbirds and things like that. But for the most part, I remember liking it a lot and missing it when I couldn't find it for a while. And eventually, I got hold of Blu-ray, so it's uh, you know, it's one of my favorite little shows, even though it only lasted what two seasons. So anyway, thanks so much. Once again, it's uh, Joe Corey. Uh, I normally reach Joe Alma Press on uh, Twitter. And uh, as I said, uh, I also write for Inside Pulse. Thanks. Bye. Hey, guys. Brian Okert here from Redneck Rebuttal Entertainment. We are actually in Vegas right now doing some scouting for a project. So we don't have long to talk, but I will give you some Space 1999 background or whatever you want to talk about it. Uh, Bell Bottom. That's all that you need to know. It was the greatest time in the world to be alive because it was 1999. Um, and that's about it. It was just a great show. So thank you for listening and have a great night. Excellent. Thank you guys for uh, checking in on us and leaving us a voicemail. We uh, were talking about Space 1999 last week. If you remember that show, let us know about it. Uh, I, I We did a rewatch and uh, enjoyed it. Um, but uh, yeah, absolutely. If you want to leave us a voicemail, go ahead and give us a call at 773-234-8659. Operators are standing by, as they say. No, it's just, uh, just leave a voicemail. Love to hear what you have to say. And uh, if you do have any topics, any ideas for a show, a quick cut show, or uh, maybe a five questions, you want to hear some questions from some of our friends or uh, any of the other podcasts, especially in the Red 5 Network, drop us a line. All right, Andrew, I want to ask you, um, what is your favorite AI in a movie? My favorite? Hmm. So I think my favorite AI, of course, is we've we've already mentioned. I mean, I, I'd have to put data. I think at the top of that list. Sure. Um, because data is everything that we hope AI can be. I have learned from your example. What could you possibly have learned from that ordeal? That at times, one must deny one's nature, sacrifice one's own personal beliefs, to protect another. Is it not true that had you refused to prosecute, Captain Lavoie would have ruled summarily against me? Yes. That action injured you and saved me. I will not forget it. You're a wise man, my friend. Not yet, sir. But with your help, I am learning.
You know, and in some ways, data is everything that we hope humanity can be as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then that's the thing, his whole quest to understand humanity. Yeah. That uh, Pinocchio syndrome. Yep. I would have to pick uh, just all the cute droids in Star Wars. We got a whole bunch of them mm-hmm. from R2 to BB-8 to uh, all that. Uh, you know, it's, uh, Star Wars is particularly uh, great, too, when it handles AI because it, they really do a fantastic job in, in uh, infusing such personality in, uh, in, in droids. Yeah. You know, even from, I mean, from day one, when you saw C-3PO in, in A New Hope, mm-hmm. um, you know, he wasn't just a, a regular uh, robotic, you know, automaton. There was a certain personality that, uh, that was, uh, you know, given to him. Thank you, Anthony Daniels and uh, Mr. Lucas. But yeah, it's, uh, it's really cool. It's, uh, it's a question that uh, humanity will face, I'm sure, in the future when it comes to artificial intelligence and uh, our uh, less alive friends as we make them. It's so odd. <laughs> Star Wars does more you know, droids, robots than pretty much any other franchise out there. So they, they do it a lot and they do it well. Yeah. And it's funny that, uh, that the droids in star Wars are revolting because they want more rights. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's another show. (laughs) Yeah. Goodness gracious me. Awesome. Um, Andrew, any final thoughts on artificial intelligence, the lessons that we, uh, that we try to learn, I guess, from movies, uh, what's up with that? So I think I would just say, and kind of going back to what I said earlier is I think when we look at, at AI and what it is and, you know, and without, I think if we want AI to be better, we just have to learn to be better. Um, because we're going to be, you know, it's, it's, gonna come from us and and what we put into it's what we're gonna get out of it yeah absolutely i think uh you know science fiction in general um puts us uh humans under the microscope i think it's one of uh you know i think i heard you say uh in the past that science fiction is probably one of the most important franchises out there when it comes to storytelling Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and lore and, and history and, and just a, a really great way of, uh, of teaching. Um, you know, science fiction is so rich in, in, in all the, the methods, uh, you know, everything that you need to learn about stuff. You can probably, you know, disguise it in a science fiction story. Uh, it's been done for a really long time throughout all the franchises and, uh, it's a special it's a special genre for sure. Excellent. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. We talked about artificial intelligence. Where can people find you to say hello there? All right. People can find me running uh, my Twitter accounts at sa underscore fictionary or crew underscore podcast at CRU underscore podcast. Uh and do follow over there because I know it's been away, but Coruscant Radio Underground is going to be back next week. Uh, new episodes. So um, cranking that machine back up and see what all we can turn out. Excellent. 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 My friend, you are always welcomed here at the Scare of Citadel. 
And for those of you who do not know, we are both part of the Red 5 Network. Check out the rest of the Red 5 Network podcast and content creators over at red5network.com or bio.link slash red5. Until then, this is Ro and Andrew, and that's the Scuttlebutt. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Just wanted to remind you all, we can be found wherever you find your other favorite shows. iTunes, Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Podchaser, Backtracks FM, Podtail, Owltail, Google Podcast, and of course, our own Red5Network.com to name a few. And don't forget to drop us a voicemail at 773-234-8659, our Scuttlebutt hotline. We want to hear what's on your mind. Your call is very important to us. Let us know what you think of the show, what future topics we should tackle, or just to say, hello there. Please hold. listener just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the red five network family red five network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love so the next time you're itching for quality content make sure you head over to red five network.com you'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more all wings report in it's the red five network <laughs>